Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. St Bride's is one of the most famous and historic churches in London. Behind me, just over that wall, you can still see the remains of a Roman pavement dating back to around 180 AD. And there's been a church on this site since the 6th century. So it's a privilege for us to be keeping alive that tradition and the message of Christ's love for all here today. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always a great pleasure to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. And now may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak.
Lord be with you. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the 14th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
reading from the letter to James. My brethren, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man with gold rings and in fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Have a seat here, please, while you say to the poor man, Stand there, or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the honourable name which was invoked over you? If you really fulfil the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. What does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has not works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and would not have anyone know it, yet he could not be hid. But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children first be fed, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this saying you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, through the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had an impediment in his, in his speech. And they besought him to lay his hand upon him. And taking him aside from the multitude privately, he put his fingers into his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephathatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly, and he charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well, he even makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Most clergy, particularly those who, like myself, exercise a ministry of spiritual direction to others, discover very early on the wisdom of having a spiritual mentor. To put it simply, we are not best placed to assist other people with their own spiritual lives if we're not being supported and challenged on our own spiritual journeys. And I've been very blessed over the years with the wise and insightful spiritual directors who have accompanied me throughout the different stages of my ministry. I've learnt important and different things from all of them. I've recently started a new relationship of that kind which has been great because it's invited me to rediscover and reassess some of the most basic elements within the Christian life. Things to do with my experience of God, my experience of prayer, my life of faith, and where the figure of Jesus features in all of that. And in particular, I found myself asking why it is that I find the figure of Jesus 
the Jesus whom we encounter in the Gospels so compelling? Part of the answer for me has always been his sheer subversiveness. Like some of you, I was brought up with the very, hel uh, very uh, healthy and wholesome Sunday school image of gentle Jesus, meek and mild. A Jesus who, as a child, was such a model of perfection that, according to the Christmas carol, Away in a Manger, he didn't even cry when he was woken up by the lowing of the cattle in the stable. So I must confess that it was all rather startling when I discovered that that is not the Jesus who is portrayed in the New Testament at all, quite the opposite. In the Gospels, we encounter a Jesus who overturns everybody's assumptions about everything, especially the things that they were all assuming to be the case about God, about the nature of the life of faith, about human flourishing, and about the true and profound and costly nature of love. Most notably, Jesus called to account the very people who should have been most in touch with those very truths, but who instead consistently ended up getting in the way, actively impeding the welfare of God's people and, irony of ironies, obstructing their relationship with God. And before you ask, the additional irony that I myself am now one of those same religious authorities equally prone to getting it wrong, never fails to escape me. I have to live with that recognition every single day. In saying that I'm drawn to the sheer subversiveness of Jesus, I do not mean to imply that I take active delight in the anarchic or the iconoclastic for the sake of it. Not at all. If anything, the opposite is the case. No, the reason is, quite simply, that if you suspend your disbelief and try actually living it, if you really do put it to the test in lived experience, you discover that the gospel and the teachings of Jesus and everything that he embodied in his ministry, in his life, his suffering, and his death, all of that turns out to be profoundly and demonstrably true, again and again and again. Which is not to imply at all that the gospel message is either easy to hear or straightforward to live out. Indeed, even when we have committed ourselves to doing precisely that, the temptation to fall in love once again with the trappings of religiosity rather than with God is ever present. That was where the scribes and the Pharisees came a cropper. G.K. Chesterton nailed this perfectly when he famously wrote this. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. He who begins by loving Christianity better than truth will proceed by loving his own sect or church better than Christianity and end 
by loving himself better than all. There is a warning to us all there, particularly those of us who invest so much in particular manifestations of the Christian religion. To follow Christ, which has to be something more than simply church attendance, requires that we all strive to live differently, to live differently as individuals and also as communities of faith. It requires that we do our very best to try to live out and to demonstrate the love of God in Christ in all that we say and do. Not only is that absolutely fundamental to the life of discipleship, it is also far and away the most effective way of communicating the Christian faith to others. As has often been observed, the Christian faith is ultimately caught, not taught. Unless people can look at us and perceive the difference that faith makes to our lives, they may never have reason to ask themselves what difference it might make to their own life. And yet that call to live differently will always pose challenges, even for the most committed amongst us, and we can all be pretty rubbish at it at times. The allure of all that we may stridently profess means little to us, can still lead us profoundly astray. The seductions of money and status and achievement can at times be overwhelming. Our own failure to trust God when it really matters, which tempts us to seek security in material wealth, the pride that lurks in our hearts, that draws us to say and do things that we believe will impress other people, all of which point to our frailty and sense of security. Those kinds of temptations are always there. And if it is hard enough to live out the faith as individuals, how much harder it can sometimes be to live out that life, to be true to the marvelously subversive call of Christ in our conduct as a community of faith. That, by, by the way, is not a new thing. One only has to read 1 Corinthians to discover that it was true from the very dawn of the Christian era. The conduct of those first Corinthian Christians towards one another was just appalling on all kinds of levels. But in an odd kind of way, I find that rather reassuring. St. Bride's is certainly no worse than many other churches in that respect, and in many respects it is probably a good deal better. But that challenge remains a challenge that we all need to attend to. When people look at us as individuals and as a community of faith here at St. Bride's, what do they see? What values do they see lived out? What do we proclaim by the way we behave to one another? Do we truly practice what we preach? I was reminded on these, of these particular questions when I read this morning's reading from the letter of James, 
in which the author is patiently pointing out to the community to which he is writing that they really do need to look at their conduct. His starting point is to note the favoritism that they've been showing to the wealthy who turn up, in contrast to their treatment of the poor and the poorly dressed. Indeed, the opening sentence of our reading could not be more chastening. My brethren, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that's precisely what they have been doing. How we behave really does matter, which is why the epistle of James and the reading we heard today ends with those memorable and chastening words, faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. In an odd kind of way, I find it encouraging to know that even those first Christians, people for whom the memory of Jesus was still so very recent and still so very fresh, even they managed to get it wrong some of the time. But if anything, our gospel reading gives us an even more startling example of that. It is one of the more challenging stories in the New Testament in that it would appear that we see Jesus being both rude and abrupt, almost to the point of cruelty, to a vulnerable and suffering woman. This is certainly not the Jesus we like to see, and it could not be further from the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, of pious Victorian religion. And incidentally, I simply don't buy the notion that in this gospel reading, Jesus was, of course, merely pretending to be off with that Syrophoenician woman in order to test her faith. That's not what we see in that reading at all. But for heaven's sake, Christian orthodoxy has always affirmed the full humanity of Christ, as well as his full divinity. And if Jesus was fully human, as we know him to have been, he was perfectly entitled to have had the occasional off day. We encounter him here in this reading, tired and exhausted and wanting to shut out the world and to shut out all the people clamoring for his attention. And yet here is this wretched Syrophoenician woman demanding more of him when he's had enough. But for me, the very humanness of his immediate and initial reaction gives me hope and enables me to come to terms with those occasions when I too fall short. What matters is that in this incident, Jesus then turns and recognizes her need recognizes her as one of God's children, recognizes her faith and responds to it. And in the end, it is surely that that matters. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Christ. 
We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, we believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray to God, creator of all things. Give grace to your church that it might show true faith through works of love and mercy to all who are in need. Take from this great institution the hurt of prejudice and inequality, and may all places in which your name is praised be open, accessible, and welcoming to any who come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray your compassion on this mortal world, where rich and poor are separated by selfishness and lack of understanding. Open the eyes of those in positions of power and responsibility to witness and to follow the lead of all those who are generous in their giving of whatever they may have to help those in need. We pray for the support of all refugees, particularly at this time for those from Afghanistan as they prepare to build new lives, for those left behind with uncertain futures, particularly as the journalist church, we pray for those journalists who now live in fear under the new regime. We pray your guidance as nations negotiate futures for their peoples, ever mindful of our fellowship as children of the same Heavenly Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Open our ears, O Lord, to hear your word and loosen our tongues to make it known that in all we say and do, we might be mindful of the needs of those around us. 
sensitive in our discerning and generous in our giving. Open our eyes, O Lord, to the beauty that surrounds us, the splendor of your creation, the miracle of life, the bond of love in the sacrament of marriage, all who have made their vows this summer and all who celebrate their anniversaries. To the joy of new birth, those who bring their children to baptism and the renewal of our church community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear the prayers of all who suffer in sickness, pain and troubled minds. Bring them comfort and healing. Support all who minister to their needs, all who nurse, all who care. Praying especially for sick children, for those in hospital, separated from their families, and for their parents in their anguish. We pray your care of all across the world who continue to suffer from COVID-19, from all viruses and disease, and for all who strive to heal and protect us from the effects. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive into your care the souls of all those who have passed from this life, especially those from our community, our family and our friends. Bring comfort to those who love them, knowing that they rest now where pain and suffering are no more. Strengthen our memories that we might cherish the happiness of times past and carry them into our futures that at the last you might grant us with them a share in your eternal kingdom. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for the, the sake, sake of your, your Son, our, our Saviour, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God, the source of truth and love, keep us faithful to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, united in prayer and the breaking of bread, and one in joy and simplicity of heart. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.